I was born on the 11th of December 1986 and picked up by my parents, Mark and Carol, about three days later, or so I'm told. Around the age of five is probably when my parents tried to explain to me that I was adopted, but it really didn't mean much to me at the time. All I heard was, you're special, and that was enough for me. Uh, I probably grasped the concept about 10 years old, but it didn't change who my parents were to me, and it still hasn't. And the story goes on that my birth mother and her boyfriend weren't married at the time when they had me, and that the mother was a Christian woman who felt that it wouldn't be right raising me in such a disadvantaged situation. She wanted me to have a mother and a father in a Christian home, and that is exactly how I ended up where I am today. Although my friend Dan is insistent on going with me if we ever decide to look my birth mother up, I have no real desire uh, just for the fact that I don't see a need to right now. My mother, not birth mother, grew up in a straight-up Bethel Baptist small-town farm girl life. I still remember my mom telling me that in the winter nights at the farmhouse, Grandma would throw hot bricks at the foot of the bed to keep them warm at night. Since she grew up in traditional Baptist ways, it has a lot of influence on how our house was structured. For instance, she never had one drop of alcohol growing up uh, through high school and college. Sometime after college, she told me she might have tried a sip of beer. She doesn't really remember, though. Um, and it's not simply because she doesn't like it. Somehow she was brought to believe that just drinking any sort of alcohol is just not right for believers. No matter what, no matter small or large, isn't for Christians. And that's probably one of the bigger, bigger issues that had carried on from her Baptist lifestyle. Um, she has been a woman of God grounded in the word and has carried on the faith passed on by her parents. She is what keeps our family sane at many times. Now, my father, on the other hand, grew up in a Catholic home where grandma and my aunt went to mass and grandpa stayed back at home and smoked the rest of his Marlboros. Uh, To this day, I still love the smell of them. I know dad wasn't a diehard Catholic. He probably had to go with grandma because she made him. And he actually met my mom when he was done with college and working in the same town that her family lived in. He worked with my uncle, and a long story short, came to know Christ through my uncle, met my mom when she was back from her winter break of nursing school, ate supper at their house because grandma felt bad that he had no one to eat Christmas dinner with, probably chatted with my mom, maybe made out with her in the backseat of her Dodge Dart a couple weeks later, got married, adopted me shortly after that. That's probably 71% inaccurate for order of events, but I said that I was making a long story short. Um, as a child, I experienced a lot of moving around. My dad worked for various grain elevators in a management-style positions, and he was promoted, and so that's why we moved. It was hard on all of us. Kelsey, my sister, was born when I was three, and we ended up moving shortly after that. I hated trying so hard to make friends and then leaving. We lived in South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, almost Texas. I think by the time I was 13, I counted up, I lived in 13 different houses. Um, but the plus side of this was I'd become pretty good at creating friendships rather quickly. This is probably where I learned how to be versatile in many roles, being the funny kid, the athletic kid, the student, you name it. The many churches that we attended to while moving uh, had this program called Awana. And everywhere we went, we were a part of Awana. I hated Awanas. They had stupid uniforms with tacky badges and old people for youth leaders. To me, it was the epitome of Boy Scouts with a lack of fire and knives and replacing it with giving us a Bible, calling it a sword, and running around in circles with beanbags on our heads to race. I remember coming up with this brilliant idea to make Awana a little bit more fun for me my fifth grade year. I bet the leaders still hate me for this one. So, of course, game time is the time where most kids actually like Awana. And after that is this handbook time where we memorize verses. And then at the end, we gather around and give awards to the color teams, sing songs, and then leave. And I decided that me and my friends would just try really, really hard to rack up points during game time and then sit back and not do any memory verses for the night. 
the leaders quickly caught on and eventually created this new system where you had to do two verses a night to be eligible for game night the following week. And I think I probably rebelled for a few weeks to that, but then missed whooping up on the blue team. So I cashed in my pride and started memorizing. And to this day, Awana has still been an influence in scripture memorization for me. I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior when I was 10 years old. It was about this time when I understood the concept that heaven was real and hell was real. And then I knew for a fact I didn't want to end up in hell. And I also understood that God knew me and I believed he loved me. So I asked my mom, what did I need to do to change this? Um, I remember saying this prayer on the toilet. Uh, imagine that. But I think I did a cleaner prayer with my mom uh, later on that week. Later that year, I was baptized publicly to show what happened on the inside of me. It was from then on that I remember having a pretty distinct consciousness of right and wrong and Jesus always watching me. I continued to pray, ask questions, just to even think about spiritual stuff. But my serious growth as a Christian didn't come until some trials came in my life. Then the years of Hastings came for me. I could seriously write a book about these years. They were honestly and probably some of the most memorable years of my life. I often fantasize either between going back to those years or living as a 20-year-old in the 50s. Um, these are my top two. But the best way to describe this time period of my life would be mixing the newest movie of Little Rascals with the Sandlot baseball song and the Goonies movie. If you've seen Sandlot, imagine the premise about baseball, except that the sport for us was hockey instead of baseball. A kid named Nate, who lived down the street, he was our Benny. He loved hockey. We'd wake up at 8 a.m. in the summer, set up our two nets in the streets, and play in the heat until noon. And if it got really hot, then Jeremy would let us swim in his pool. But his mom had to be watching us while we swam. And this was a difficult conflict since we were really mean to Jeremy's sister, Kara. And then Kara would tell her mom that we were mean to her, and then we probably wouldn't be able to go swimming that day. So we started being nice to Kara, and then we got to swim. Uh, one of those years, we found a shelter belt, this line of trees outside our houses since we lived close to the edge of town. And there were paths in these shelter belt that were treaded down by hobos um, seeking shelter from the weather. We spent a lot of time out there. None of us were Boy Scouts, but we brought food, knives, water, hatchets, ropes, other necessities. I always wore my camel fatigues that my cousin gave me um, when I was younger and we went out there. We built a few forts out there, even put carpet in a few. And one of them was still there when I went to visit back when I was 17 years old. It's not there anymore, though. It was one of the first places where my eyes had discovered my first porno magazine. And even though I didn't understand entirely what the point of it was, since Nate hid it under the carpet, I saw some importance valued in it. Since it was something that we knew we weren't supposed to have, we felt cool. It was in these years where my relationship began to fizzle, I felt like, with my dad and I. Between his short temper and my obnoxiousness, the two did not get along together. What we did have in common is we were both stubborn. Mom usually had to be the referee with us, and I knew just how to torque Dad off. I never had to use bad language, and to think back, I never really swore around my parents, but I knew how to hit him to the core. It's almost like I wanted him to snap to see how ridiculous he'd act, and then he would. I remember one time when he was on me to vacuum or something like that, and I was fed up with him being on my back. He was yelling when he didn't need to and very angrily placed the vacuum in my room where I was. So I just turned it on and let it run to seem like I was vacuuming. Um, He opened up the door, whipped the vacuum to one side of the wall and me to the other. And I was scared to death. Uh, A lot of outbursts like this continued in my teen years. Many of them my fault in starting the problem and him probably handling it the wrong way. I never was beat or anything like that, but I did have a gut feeling that this anger wasn't a natural anger for a parent to have. But with that to say, there wasn't one night that went by where he didn't apologize. It was always customary for him to come to my bed, get on a knee, and even if I wouldn't look at him in the eye, for him to say he was sorry. Maybe he was wrong for how he handled it, 
maybe explain why the rule was the way it was. Many times he would reference parts of scripture into how, the way, how it was the way it was. He would also reference how he was maybe acting like his father and how it was tough to break this cycle. He would tell me that when he was a kid, he vowed not to be like grandpa in these ways. But when my dad would get angry, he would just be like grandpa. And I could tell it was very tough for him to approach me, but my dad did it anyways. He set a great example of what it is like not to let the sun go down on you when you're angry. Um, and these have marked me in a big way. Middle school became a time where I attended the country middle school instead of the public one. One of my friends was there, and it was a smaller and less intimidating one in town, and I loved seventh grade. With the exception of public showers when you're a late bloomer, seventh grade was fantastic. I had six girlfriends that year, and this was the time when I was just in love with basketball. I probably practiced 10 to 15 hours a week on my own in the gym, went to every camp I could get my hands on. I was starting point guard for the team, and I was sure I had the determination to play college ball. When I looked at older men playing in leagues in the gym, I knew that I was, uh, when I was old, I would be in their shoes because of my love for the game. Um, the summer after my seventh grade year, I found out that my parent, from my parents that we had to move, and my dad was getting promoted and relocated to some stupid town called Clear Lake, Iowa, where a tourist town res- resided, apparently. I wasn't impressed with the brochures that he pulled out. I was really upset with this one. My mom and my sister were also the same way, but my mom has always had a fantastic way of supporting my dad during these decisions for the family. It was for this that I resented my dad. Even though now I know that he was making the decision best for the family and it was hard for him, I felt that his, at that time that he didn't care, that I liked it in Hastings and had friends there. I finally had this status of rank since we had been there for about four years. I was full of tears that day knowing I'd have to break up with my girlfriend and started telling my middle school friends immediately following the news. We got to Clear Lake about one week before school started, and I channeled all my rage on the basketball court. I played for hours outside with a spotlight after dark and continued even to the months of October and November. School was okay for me. It wasn't hard to make friends, but it was hard finding good friends, if you know what I mean. I never really found a friend like Jason, one of my good church buddies back in, at home in Hastings. There was one kid named Jeff who I noticed my, I might get along pretty well with, but he was pretty distant of me in church and in school. Eighth grade was an an adaptive year for me, getting the feel for Iowa, the kids, and my new life. High school was a blast overall. Freshman year, not too exciting because all the girls in our grade dated the older guys. Um, But sophomore year was a big year for me. That was by far my favorite year. This was the year I decided to put my mom and dad's video camera to use. That was a big mistake on their part for letting me use it. Me and my buds started filming anything from stunts to crazy school movie projects to getting kicked out of Walmart because we were wearing goofy costumes to having our own episodes of Hispanic TV shows with the little Spanish knowledge we had accumulated our freshman year. We took the camera anywhere and put on so many costumes. Some of our videos we'd bring in before school and show people 10 minutes before class, and we were the talk of our class. This is when I started to get this crazy reputation. People put me in the category of obnoxious and crazy, and I was. I didn't mind the label and did anything and everything for shock value. I streaked naked a lot that year, ate nasty things for money, did obnoxious dares, and frustrated teachers to their boiling points. I also love this year because it was a time when me and my friends had a blast and were crazy, and we didn't need alcohol to do it either. Sophomore year, I also made Allstate, which perpetuated everyone's obsession that I was this amazing singer. I really think I made it by some default because I knew that I was an average singer and Allstate was for the extraordinaire. Once I made Allstate, I had the status quo and when open solos came up, everybody in choir assumed I would get it and when the musical came up, I assumed, everybody assumed I would get the lead. 
It was neat at first, but then it got old really quick. I was heavily involved with choir from that year on, and every year my status worsened in my eyes as being this tremendous singer. I knew that I was average, and everybody just thought I was so amazing. I sang solos, got involved in musicals, but never really tried out for Allstate the next few years. And this was also the year at 16 years old where I first started struggling with pornography. It was one of those struggles that I never really was warned about. So I was left with the strong urges and these deep convictions that I had to wrestle with. It was the start of a 10-year struggle for me and one that has marked my relationship with God, with how he sees me, with how I see myself, and how through that specific sin, I got to experience the weightiness and dirtiness of sin. I don't remember much about the struggle at the time. I know that if I looked up in my Bible back then, there were times where I marked in the pages where I committed to turning away from it. And I remember that there were many dates. So there was a lot of coming clean and returning back to my own vomit. I battled with this for many years, and I battled it alone, losing constantly. Uh, Junior year, I began dating Jess. This relationship started pretty harmless. I was really attracted to her. She was from out of town. She didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She didn't swear. She didn't sleep around. So when it comes down to it, that must have been my standards for dating. And I regret it to this day. After three months in, it was the longest relationship that I'd ever been in. On top of that, things were starting to get physical, which is something I've never really experienced. I felt a weight and guilt on my heart that don't think she was feeling herself. I wasn't bold enough to share that I knew it had to do with my faith and my convictions. So I made up other excuses. She somehow managed to fix the false problems I was presenting to her at the time. I tried to break up, but we kept going. This relationship has marked me still to this day. I know mainly it's because I had used God's gift for marriage in that relationship. There's a lot more to this story. Breakups, get back together, it's all from my convictions as a Christ follower. And this relationship showed me how the Holy Spirit convicts us, a thing that I hated at the time. In this relationship, I also experienced my first real anger towards God. And see, at one time, I got out of the relationship before it had gone too far, and I was hurt in a deep way by another guy getting in the picture. I was so hurt and confused. I finally obeyed God and good things didn't follow. So just like the Israelites, I turned against the very person I needed the most and I returned back to the relationship. I returned back to sin. Uh, Senior year wrapped up and eventually came to a close and college plans were in the making to go to UNI. That was the first summer I worked construction for Tony Kochler and he royally kicked my butt those first few months. I'd never worked harder nor will I ever physically in my life. The man doesn't take breaks. 20 minute lunches and we start from 7 a.m. and go to 7 p.m. some nights. Water was for the weak and bloody calloused hands were for the, for the norm. My friends joked that it was like I was at Auschwitz POW camp because I was rarely fed and worked to death. I learned a ton that summer, lost a ton of weight, ate up so much skin cancer from the sun it was sick. I worked from the next two summers and each summer I learned twice as much. Had more fun re, uh, returning the following years after being the grunt. It was here that I learned how to take pride in busting my chops to get something done. I hated the aches and the pains in the evenings, but something just felt good about working harder than any other crew around and working much more harder than all my friends. And it was also a place where I desired and tried to practice being a light for Christ to my work environment. I chose to go to UNI for college and was stoked to get away from family and start a new chapter in life. It was here that I met my best friend, Dan Keegan, started going to basic, met Jeff Mickey, got involved with navigators, and grew a lot in my faith. A big piece that I realized was missing as I started to figure out was that my lack of Christian community that I didn't have in high school. These new friends encouraged me in my walk and the campus ministries challenged me with new thinking. 
the first summer that I worked for a Christian sports camp called Canicut Camps. I was a boat driver and a counselor, and the camp that I was at was a specifically for at-risk youth. Um, I was a minority on the staff and the minority among the students also. This summer was a stretching summer for me. For the first time, I felt out of place, and largely because of my race. From the worship style, going from Kirk Franklin instead of third day, to leadership, to relationships, it just seemed different. I always dreamed of being a camp counselor and leaving with all these amazing camp friends that you grew close with, but that just was not my experience. I quickly figured out that God had called me there specifically for these kids. So that's when I put my focus and energy on. It was also a time where I got to experience how quiet time can refuel my body and soul. I felt like I could not get through a day sanely without a time with God. If I could sum up college, it'd be relationships. College is where I met some amazing people. Um, at the beginning of my sophomore year, I met up with an old high school friend who introduced me to some new girls that she met, Monica, Allie, and Brooke. I still remember what Brooke was wearing. I had a crush on her. But soon out of the shoot, I realized how blunt and brutally honest she was, and quite frankly, seemed kind of cold. I also remember her sharing one night with all of us um, that there was nothing better looking than some of the tall basketball players on campus. I've never been up for much of a fight when it came to girls, so I figured there are plenty of ladies at Navigators and at Basic I'd yet to meet. So I wasn't too heartbroken and just accepted Brooke, along with the other fantastic Christian women in my life, as good and great friends. One year, I lived with my best friend Dan and a couple other guys on Main Street, and it was a fun place and time. It was in this house that we had tons of dance parties in the basement, learning and experience cooking on your own, late nights on the porch, and it was also the first time that I confessed to any other human being my struggle with pornography. It was there in that house that Dan and I created this open relationship where we got real honest and real deep. We started meeting in the mornings to go through God's word, to talk about the previous day, to encourage one another, to confess to one another, and to build one another up. It's also the place where Dan had asked me a question, what about you and Brooke? An opportunity came to me through college leadership class that I took one year. It was what I call a God thing because I had no interest in this opportunity whatsoever, but it just wouldn't leave my mind and my heart. This opportunity was to work through an organization called YouthWorks for the summer instead of construction. It was an organization that put on mission trips for high school students from all sorts of different denominations. And it was this summer in West Virginia where my heart lit up. I felt like I found my sweet spot. I, work projects director was my job, and it was to reach out to local residents who needed help, create jobs for the groups to come in and do. We painted houses, fixed decks, built decks, did yard work, tore down a garage, even built a walking bridge. And when I say we, I really mean that the students did it every week. As I met with residents, I developed deep relationships with them, heard their laughter and their pain through their stories, and that quickly became one of my favorite parts of the job, was going out and meeting new folks. Our team there for the summer was very different. I believe God used both summers in YouthWorks to grow me in the areas of teamwork. Our team there came from very different faith backgrounds. Lane, our team leader, went to Princeton. She carried many feministic principles. She was very pretty, pretty defending of the gay community and women in leadership. But Kirk, our program guy, went to a Southern Baptist seminary, didn't believe that women should be in church leadership, and was very anti-gay. As you can see, this, along with any other debatable issue in the church you could have, was being thrown out on the table for dialogue about every other night as we were trying to set up our site. As much friction as some nights got to be, there was an amazing development of love and respect for one another without casting judgment. It slowly became an honest place for us to share our deep beliefs and not feel condemned. It was a place to learn from one another, and it was a beautiful thing, and our team became close because of it. Being a part of that team gave me a great hope of what the church could be like someday. 
I finished my senior year as an RA in Dancer Hall. My sister Kelsey moved in the floor below me for her freshman year, and that's when our relationship started to bloom and grow close. It's been a blessing. I also had a young bunch of wild residents in my dorms, so I tried to create the best role model for my residents to look up to. I dealt a lot with drunks, vandalism, trespassing, having the police arrest some of my guys. They were a wild bunch, but I did feel I was making an impact in their lives because of how intentional I was trying to be with them. That year, I also wrestled with the question that Dan asked me later that, or earlier that spring. What about you and Brooke? Many of the people who we surrounded ourselves with thought it was a no-brainer, but by this time, I had been good friends with her three years, and she looked like a sister to me. All of a sudden, I'd catch myself finding her attractive on certain days, and it weirded me out. I would reset my thoughts, but they just kept on coming back. After many months, I felt that there was something changing in my heart. And to make a long story short, we dated, and then she, a month later, she broke my heart. Um, the rest of the year, I tried to figure out what the next step was uh, leaving college. I had an amazing piece about it, even though everyone else was worried, including my parents. I started looking up on the Internet, at-risk youth, just to see what would pop up. I ran across a faith-based organization that worked with at-risk youth, so I applied. And about the same time, Jeff Mickey approached me about an idea that he had, but he, at the time, he couldn't say much about it. Weeks passed, and then he was able to share that it was related to high school ministry. And then weeks after that, he's able to share that there might be a part-time position and open up that I should apply for. At the time, I thought it was really weird. And I, would, that I never thought I'd work at a church. But there was this weird tugging about it. So I went through with it. I visited the boys' ranch, which was great. But then when I returned home, I kept praying about it, and there was this clarity about this church position. After some interviews and conversations, I took the high school position at the Orchard Hill Church had peace, and was thrilled and honored to be accepted for this. The next summer, I went to return to Youth Works, only to be put in San Diego, California. It was not a coal mining town, and I had a lot of disappointment not being able to go back to my friends. I tried comparing this to the last summer, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't a tight-knit community. God revealed two things for me that summer. One was much of what he wanted to show me through teamwork again. There was one girl on the team who we absolutely disliked and we needed to be united front. I was continually reminded of the grace that I need to give this girl. And the conflict came to a peak a few times. We were challenged to be objective through the dispute. I learned how to love someone but not like them. I learned the value of only speaking good things about your teammates. Otherwise, destruction will come knocking on your door for your team. It was amazing to hear feedback from youth leaders when they, saw the, when they would say that they saw the best unity on a youth works team that they'd ever seen before. Little did they know what was going on behind closed doors. Only God can do a work like that. The second thing revealed to me was this attraction to the weary. My job that summer was to partner with groups with the services offered in the city that they could volunteer at. I spent many of my days on the streets of San Diego with the homeless. I loved pulling up next to someone to sit with them and listen no matter what they looked like, no matter how bad they smelled. I have so many stories about people I've met. One of those days I approached some folks with some students. We were handing out popsicles and water. It was super hot, and we met these two ladies sitting on the ground. As we got to chatting, one of them asked me where I was from. So I told her, Iowa, and she didn't believe me. When she asked where, I said, Clear Lake. And she said, no kidding? She was from Clear Lake. She told me her story. We both cried. And it was a clear God moment that brought us together. She gave me her cell number and I continued to take kids to my friend Eileen for the rest of the summer and it brought me joy every time I saw that black leather jacket she wore. What's crazy is when I returned that summer, Eileen's family had flown her back home for her dad's birthday and sure enough, I get a call from Eileen to go grab a beer. That night we both cried and she asked me to pray with her before I left. The first year working at the church was the hardest year of my life so far. Uh, 
It's crazy for me to go back and read journal entries on those days. During that time, I sunk into what I learned was depression, and I believe I was under a lot of spiritual attack that year, and I know it because I could feel it. When I share about these days, I believe it was a combination of many things. Many of my friends were spread outside of my close-knit college days. A housing situation fell through. It was a cold winter, and I just didn't feel myself. I quickly started having doubts about my gifts, my talents, my abilities, strengths, you name it. I felt awkward around people, antisocial. Fear of facing the day gripped me. Joan and Mike Trebon graciously let me in their home, and it was then that I learned that it was hard for me to live there. They wouldn't accept rent, they cooked better than me, and I couldn't run Mike's snowblower for the life of me. I wanted to contribute, but every time I came up empty-handed. I was being offered a free gift of living there, and it was hard for me to accept that free gift, and I tried earning it, but never came close. I dealt much with depression by sleeping. I didn't even know what a workday should consist of half the time, and that paralyzed me. I remember many appointments with students where I felt so weird and awkward around them, which has never been a characteristic about me. It left me many nights in the basement of the tree bond sobbing, not knowing who I was anymore. I journaled so many nights of my thoughts of depression, fumbled through psalms like a madman trying to find answers. I looked up the definition of depression, and I had many of the symptoms. I had many conversations with Jeff and some close ones to me through that time. I thank God often for how Jeff, he had Jeff walk with me and encourage and remind me of the truths that I just refused to believe. I knew that some of what I was believing were lies, but it's so hard to change. As much as I dreaded these months, I felt stripped down to nothing, and I'm encouraged that I chose to press into God during this awful time instead of turning away. As much as I resent those days, it might be some of the most intimate and raw times with my Maker. It's here that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, my life verse, rang true and became my refuge. Trust God. Lean into God. God, I don't understand. My path doesn't feel straight. I'm going to try to trust you. There was no specific day or time when this depression lifted. But as spring turned to summer, I moved out, started to feel normal again slowly. I felt more confident about my role and my abilities. My relationships continued to build and grow. And I moved around um, a little bit, had some different roommates, and continued to get a knack for my position here at the church. A few years continue, and I had kept on and off communication with Brooke. What's funny was it started when she had some questions regarding her new job at the lab. I guess I should clarify that Brooke had landed a position at the University of Iowa Laboratories with her religion major when I worked at a church with a biomed major. As I helped her with her questions, it was good to have a sense that our old friendship continued. A little more than a year ago, I randomly get this email from Brooke, and that email was really a beginning with the future with Brooke. It was, a hor- it was horrible timing. It didn't quite happen right away, but we eventually began again, and within two weeks, I wanted to propose. Dan gave me some great advice that day. He said to wait six months just to have some close ones come around to the idea. Um, but as I was saving this ring for her, I was approached about this trip to go to Mozambique. I immediately dismissed it, but God had an interesting way of putting things on my heart and my mind when I could care less about it. This wasn't a part of the plan or the right time. Trust me, God says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I don't even have a desire to go to Africa. All these things were shouting in my brain, but I could tell that this must be an obedience thing, so I decided to go and change my plans. I still don't know quite why God had nudged me to go on that trip because I can't really give any answers right now. I think what gave me much peace was feeling that God would bless this relationship if I just lived obediently. I was able to save up, and on August 26th, I proposed to Brooke. Apart from choosing to serve God with my life, I feel that it's one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Brooke knows me in better ways than I know myself, and I know that God has had his hand in the relationship from the very beginning. And here's where I'm standing today in front of you. Uh, A lot of my story has been an echo from what my high school Sunday school teacher taught us. 
He taught us that all the stories in the Bible can be summed up in a short phrase. And I believe much of my struggle in my story has been laid in this phrase as well. Trust God and then obey. Thanks, Brad, for sharing that. Uh, I'm going to pray for Brad and uh, pray that uh, the story will impact us and that uh, so all of us will, even though we don't understand what goes on in life, that we'll be able to trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your awesome wisdom and your awesome provision. And we thank you that even when times are hard, either they're hard because of things that we've done or they're just hard because of circumstances in our life that uh, we can trust in you. We thank you for Brad's uh, constant, uh, constantly seeking you out. Even when there's other temptations, he knew that uh, you had a plan for him and you had a desire for him to walk closely with you. And so we thank you that uh, you drew him to yourself. And, Father, we do pray for all of us in this room that uh, uh, we have ears to listen for your call. Uh, Brad mentioned the Holy Spirit drawing himself to you, and we believe that your Spirit's at work in all of us, uh, calling uh, us to you, calling us to rid ourselves of those things that we know we ought not do, and then calling us into a full life and abundance in you. And uh, we ask for your continued blessing on Brad and his uh, new marriage and his ministry and uh, his life, and then we ask for your same blessing in our lives as well. And Father, we do pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.